Good afternoon. I am Marshall Davis. This is my first April episode of Devotions for a Pandemic. I woke up this morning and I read my local daily newspaper at breakfast. And on the front page, there was a photograph of the National Guard setting up cots in the Ice Arena and Welcome Center of nearby Plymouth State University. It is preparation for a surge of coronavirus cases that are expected to hit in the coming weeks. Public officials, including our president, are warning us that it's going to get very bad very soon. It seems like all of America is holding its breath in anticipation of a COVID-19 Armageddon. The White House is now admitting that American casualties will be in the hundreds of thousands. Even our little village in the mountains of New Hampshire is getting nervous. A recent state map showing the spread of the virus in our state revealed that our town has its first case. The town is abuzz with speculation about who that might be. Sales of guns, particularly handguns, are through the roof. Weapons and ammunition seem to be harder to find than toilet paper. And when gun owners are questioned by journalists as to the reason for this surge in gun buying, they admit that people are afraid of what might happen in the future. But the preppers are smiling and saying, I told you so. This all sounds like the apocalyptic literature of the Bible. In the 2nd century BC through the 2nd century AD, a type of literature called apocalypse was popular. It is similar to the modern genre of dystopian fiction that began in the 19th century and has thrived in recent decades. Apocalypses can be found in the Christian Bible, in the second half of the book of Daniel, and in the New Testament book of Revelation. Christianity arose in such an apocalyptic setting. Jesus was an eschatological preacher who used apocalyptic language to predict the end of the world within a generation. According to the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, his message was summed up in the words, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. According to the Gospels, he predicted the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by the Romans in 70 AD. That event, he is reported to have said, was to mark the beginning of the end. Perhaps only now, as we live under the looming threat of a coronavirus Armageddon, can we appreciate the mentality that shaped early Christianity. For we live in apocalyptic times. People are nervous. We are thinking about the possible imminent deaths of people that we know, of friends and family and maybe even ourselves. Awareness of our own mortality, which we usually keep safely in the back corner of our mind, is suddenly front and center. And this is hitting right as Holy Week is about to begin on the Christian calendar. Beginning this Sunday, which is Passion Sunday or, or Palm Sunday, Christians count down the days to the central events of our faith, the arrest, trial, suffering, death, 
burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This story, which takes a disproportionate amount of space in the Gospels, concentrates on fear, suffering, and the looming catastrophe of the death of the Messiah. You can't read the Passion narrative in the Gospels without being filled with the same sense of looming dread that is being created today by our news media. The disciples were repeatedly warned by Jesus that something bad was coming. Jesus even uncharacteristically instructed his disciples to buy weapons, which was something entirely out of character for the nonviolent Jesus. It seems that even Jesus was afraid. The Gospels tell us that Jesus wept and prayed and cried out to God to be spared from what was coming. Even Jesus was not immune from fear and dread. As the scripture says, he was tempted in every way, just as we are. Then catastrophe hit. What they feared the most came upon them. The unimaginable happened. Their leader was arrested. He was tried. He was found guilty. He was tortured and executed. All while the disciples practiced their own form of social distancing from Jesus. So as not to get caught up in the net of arrests. This Holy Week, which we Christians will soon observe, will be unlike any that we have observed in our lifetimes. And is probably the closest that we have ever come as Americans to experiencing something like the emotional context of the earliest followers of Jesus. Like the early disciples, we will be behind closed doors out of fear. They feared for their lives and for the lives of their friends. So do we. We are facing the unknown. Death is knocking on the doors of our communities. Our Jewish brothers and sisters will be celebrating Passover. When the angel of death came knocking on the doors of Egypt, sparing the Hebrew homes only if they put the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorposts. Our Christian tradition links Passover to Holy Week and the blood of the Passover lamb to the blood of Jesus. Now many pastors and Christians now are lamenting the fact that we will not be able to go to church on Easter and celebrate Holy Week and Easter as we usually do. But I think that we are blessed beyond measure that this year will not be business as usual. This year is different. We can comprehend the meaning of Holy Week this year much more deeply than ever before. This year Easter can be so much more meaningful than it usually is. Perhaps this year we can see into the heart of the biblical events in the way that we have never done before. We live in apocalyptic times. The coronavirus has seen to that. We, may we ponder the spiritual lessons of this time deeply and fully. And then may we be prepared for the unbelievable truth that is found at the heart of Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. More about that in a later devotion. In conclusion, I want to mention the inspiration for the title of this devotion, Slouching Toward Armageddon. It is a variation on the final line of W.B. Yeats' poem, The Second Coming. Yeats wrote that poem in 1919 
during the great influenza epidemic of 100 years ago that infected 500 million people, a quarter of the world's population at that time. In the poem, Yeats sees an apocalypse coming and ends the poem with a reference to the Messiah. To end my devotion today, I'm going to read the poem for you. I encourage you to take the time to find it online and reread it yourself and ponder it anew. It has some wonderful phrases and lines that seem relevant for us today. The Second Coming by William Butler Yeats Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst of full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming, hardly are those words out when a vast image out of spiritus mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with a lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. That is my pandemic devotion for today. God's peace and grace be with you. That is the Tao of Christ for this week. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can find my blog, Spiritual Reflections, as well as a link to my books at marshalldavis.us. You can email me if you want. You can find my email address on my blog site. I hope you join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ. Thank you.